Alexa, let me hear some virgins. Here is Spotify. Hey everyone, a bit of a makeshift recording here to, to make up for the intro. Uh, the original intro that Doug and I actually recorded to, to go over the bracket from last week and then introduce the bracket for this week uh, was unfortunately interrupted with an annoying whistling sound coming from Doug's washing machine. Unfortunately, those are the uh, the pitfalls that come with being amateur podcasters and not having our own studios. So uh, we're, we're figuring these things out and we're learning. So just to recap, last week, Barcelona obviously won the football bracket, the European club's football bracket, um, and they were deserving winners. Their team from 2008-2009 was just sensational. Uh, unfortunately, beating United's treble side in the final, as well as beating United side in the 2009 Champions League final as well. So they just have a knack for that, I guess. And then this week, we are moving on to tennis. We're going to talk about some of the greats from tennis. Uh, there are a couple that uh, that will, will be missed out, uh, such as Pete Sampras. Uh, unfortunately, the, the best year that he had... Uh, didn't quite make it and it wasn't quite dominant enough. Um, so sit back, enjoy, and uh, I hope you agree with some of our decisions. So yeah, obviously we said that we're moving on to tennis this week. Uh, there's going to be a, a, some names that were good and won quite a few titles in our lifetime that we've skipped on because uh, they weren't necessarily dominant. And again, you've got to remember uh, this is this is based on dominance and, and seasons where you've won multiple Grand Slams or multiple titles or you've had an amazing winning record over the course of the season. So, And for example, Sampras, uh, his best year in, in 97, just it wasn't that dominant. And also tennis during that era, for, for men's tennis at least, was kind of going through a transition period, Doug. Yeah, it's weak, weak as hell. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy how many um, massive uh, men's players there are now. And then in the 90s, it's often said that if Andy Murray was born 10 years mm. earlier, he'd have multiple, multiple cha- uh, championships and he would have beaten that uh, serve merchant, Sampras. Exactly. Um, 14-time Grand Slam winning serve merchant, but yeah. Yeah, and I, I was thinking the same thing. It's just a sneak preview. Murray has made this list for us because, A, I think he had he did have a good year in the year that we've put him forward for. Uh, and also, as you said, I think if he played in that era, his um, Grand Slam total would probably be closer towards 10 or even as high as 14 as Sampras's was because um, mm-hmm. it's just, as I said, it was a transition period where tennis, for men at least, was not so dominant. So yeah, without further ado, yeah, without further ado, let's get on to, to match one, uh, which is Serena of 2002 against Henin of 2003. Yeah, I think uh, we are struggling to uh, find an eighth dominant female tennis year from our lifetimes mm. who wasn't Steffi Graf for the fourth time or Serena for mm. the fourth time. So we've gone with Justin and um, <laughs> so, <laughs> she's semantics, I know. But. So obviously clay court specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that year, she certainly won the French. I won the Aussie Open or Aussie Open final? Um, uh, US, US Open, I believe. US Open. Okay, so, you know, multiple slams, but uh, she's not really going to get close to this Serena 2002 season. Yeah, and, and again, a lot of these other players, they had very good kind of calendar years. For Henin, to give some, some further background, the, the first tournament of 2004 is the Aussie, and she won that in 2004, and then she also 
uh, won the Olympics in 2004 as well. So <laughs> that helped her case to get in and, and take that eighth slot in, in the women's draw, at least, so that you know we could we could keep things balanced and everything. But she's not getting past Serena of 2002. Uh, nah, 6-1, 6-1, I think this would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just to give you some context, everyone, Serena of 2002, her record was 56-5. and five. Uh, She was injured for the Australian Open, so she didn't compete. However, she did win Wimbledon, the French Open, and the US Open. Uh, so mm. it's quite an easy one for her to get past Enna. Or however you <laughs> however you said it, Doug. Just and all. Yeah, and also that like, the fact that she won the French is testament to just how brilliant a player Serena is. Because oh, she's mm. got a big serve, a lot of power, but that doesn't typically do so well at the French Open. But the fact that she won three Grand Slams on three different surfaces is um, is incredible. So uh, she goes sailing through. Yeah, easy, quite an easy one there actually. So Doug, we've got. Djokovic now of 2011 against Federer of 2004. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is really, really hard. So the Djokovic 11, he started with about... Uh, so he won like 43 games in a row to start the season. So he won the Aussie and he won about 27 Masters events or something ridiculous. Um, and then he, he lost to Federer in the French semi and then he won Wimbledon in the US. So... Crazy year for Djokovic. How many did he lose in 2011? Five? Six. Sick. Oh, yeah, crap. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, an outstanding year, but the Federer, this is the absolute start of his mm. uh, dominance. So, again, you can make the point that, similar to what we were saying earlier, he wasn't in the, the strongest of eras, mm-hmm. but he, he just, he reinvented men's tennis at this point. He just took it to another level. So, he won, what, Aussie, Wimbledon, and the US, and presumably French, she got quite deep as well. And how many losses, 2004? Uh, 2004 for Federer was uh, six as well. Oh, God. <laughs> Very similar records, yeah. So Djokovic was 70 and six, and Federer was 74 and six. Oh, and my they God. Both, they both won the Aussie, Wimbledon, and US. Oh, so this is a great matchup, nice and early. Um, uh, ugh, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't know, actually. I, I know um, we've got another Djokovic here where he's particularly dominant and presumably have the same for Federer. Who would win this match? Probably Federer. Okay. Probably Federer at his peak would probably beat Djokovic 2011. I'm always interested about Djokovic's start of his dominance because apparently he was allergic to gluten and mm. found out in the late 2010 that he was allergic to gluten mm. and uh, suddenly became brilliant. So had that with a pinch of salt or a pinch yeah. of bread what's, what's, glu- what's gluten in cake um, Every, everything I think really everything good is <laughs> yeah. gluten in okay yeah. so he's probably just eating just vegetables and success so I, I, don't, I don't know I'll, I'll probably go Federer 4 yeah I think I, pro- I probably would as well I, I, honestly I think you can toss a coin as I said their, their records were essentially identical I, I may well go with with Djokovic on this one because mm. I think Nadal and Federer although not at the peak of their powers at that time, I don't think. Well, Nadal was just coming off an amazing 2010s, but I know yeah. somewhere around this kind of time frame, he was battling his knee issues. So I think I might pull through Djokovic on this one. I, I, don't, um, I won't disagree with you. I mean, actually, as I said, Federer wasn't against the best players, but even mm. Nadal wasn't even really on the tour in 2004. Yeah. Uh, Djokovic had to overcome Federer, Nadal, and um, Andy Murray, who was about to overcome that final hurdle. So actually, Djokovic 
You're probably absolutely right. Yeah, I'm going to go. That's a terrible sentence. You're probably absolutely right. (laughs) Sounds like that shit Ryan Reynolds movie. (laughs) Definitely, maybe. That's the one. Yeah, (laughs) I knew knew what you were going to say. Right, so I'm I'm happy with that one. Let's put Uh, Jockey in. Next, we've got Steffi Graf of 96 against Serena of 2015. And do, do you need the stats on these ones, Doug? I, I think everyone both the stats, least of all myself. Uh, okay. I know you've been beavering away with these. Yeah. So in the, in the 90s, it's, it was harder for me to pull up their records um, in terms of how many matches they won and lost. But Steffi Graf in 96, she was injured for the Australian Open, but she won the French Wimbledon and the US Open. That, which is amazing, and who knows, maybe if she wasn't injured, she probably would have won um, mm-hmm. the, the Aussie Open as well. Uh, whereas Serena of 2015, her record was 53-3. and three. She oh won God. the Australian Open, the French Open, and Wimbledon. What happened at the US? Terrible. Yeah, I don't know. She didn't win. That's what happened. Uh, <laughs> did she have a very controversial loss around that time? I think when she like threatened one of the line judges, which is unfortunate, unsavory. 53 and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three losses. It's hard to argue with that. Mm. Um, but again, bear in, mind, like, bear in mind, we don't know what Steffi Graf's was. Someone, if you, if you want to tweet us and let us know if you know, uh, we could always <laughs> do some more digging, try and, try and pick that apart. But uh, see how. Um, I don't know if you get more dominant than 53 and 3. Well, I, I'm just, I wonder if Graf uh, Steffi won the, uh, the Olympics in 1996, because that might be what, what swings it for me. And obviously, maybe we should know this. Uh, oh, no, she didn't win. So, yeah, never mind. Um, so, I don't know if you're <laughs> leaning towards one, but 53 and 3, I'm not sure you can argue with that, even if we are missing. Steffi's win-loss record from that year. Well, Serena, she, she obviously won three grand slams. She didn't do all four because she didn't mm. win the US. But I think she made the final. So I think I'm going to have to put Serena through. 53-3, and three, you, have to, you have to think about that. So that's for every basically 19 matches she played, she lost one. Uh, she won 18 yeah. and lost. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yeah, oh, I think you have to put Serena through. Yeah, I think you probably do. It's just... It's probably, again, because it's newer for us um, and closer to, to our timeline mm. for, for now. And also 96, you would have been six. So mm. you would have no genuine kind of recollection of this. But yeah, Serena in 2015 was, was amazing. And 53-3, and three, only three losses all year. I've got to go with Serena myself. Got to go for Serena. So it's two Serenas through. Yeah, and uh, she got to the semi-final of the US Open that year in 2015. Oh, uh, no, it's still going to be Serena. Rubbish. Right, so Serena going through. Doug, next one. We've got Djokovic 2015 against Agassi of 99. Is this a quick one? This is a quick one. This is Djokovic. I, I love Agassi. And this is, this is bald Agassi, I think, because he had hair and then he didn't. Um, and he's married to Steffi Graf. So imagine they're kids. But I think this is a quick win for Djokovic, as much as I love Agassi. Two great returners. But uh, Djokovic. Yeah, and, and just to kind of explain why it's so quick, Djokovic in 2015 had an 82 and 6 record. He <laughs> won the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and US Open, and he made the final of the French, of the French Open. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So 82 wins in a galaxy year? Calendar year? What am I trying to say? Oh my God. Um, so it's two wins and three Grand Slams, four Grand Slam finals. It's got to be the jock, the joker. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it, again, this is our random matchup creator for us. Agassi won the French and the US that year and made the Wimbledon final in 1999. He doesn't even get close. No. Uh, yeah, sorry, Agassi. I fear, I fear for Andy Murray, given his criteria. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so... <laughs> Next, we've got Monica Seles of 1992, the year of my birth. And we've hmm. got Serena Williams of 2012. Uh, and again, Doug, for some context, Monica Seles won the Australian Open, the French Open, the US Open, and she made the final of Wimbledon in 1992. Hmm. And Serena in 2012, she had an 58-4 record. She won Wimbledon, the US, and the Olympics. But... I still don't think she gets past Monica Seles here. No, she, you can't she made every her. Grand Slam final, mm-hmm. and she actually won three of them. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to have to go with Monica Seles fairly quickly on this one. I, I, we've already got Serena through twice. Yeah, so we can't uh, have three Serenas. Yeah, I think that Imagine would just that. be. Yeah, and and uh, we've got to accept that tennis existed prior to Serena. So yes. Um, so yeah, Monica Seles is through to the next round for me. Doug, just an interesting thing about that. Uh, Monica Seles was banned from the 1992 Olympics. Uh, I need to find, find out a bit why, but um, she probably would have won that as well. Yeah, so so that would have then competed against uh, Serena's Olympic gold because yes. she was pretty much dominating in 92. So as you said, probably would have won. So don't, Nadal of 2010 against Federer of 2007. Federer in 2007 had a measly 68-9 record. He Mm. won the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the US Open, and he made it to the French Open final. Nadal Mm -hmm. won French, Wimbledon, and US with a record of 71-10. and Good luck. God. I wouldn't mind having Nadal in the semis, but I just think the Federer record's better. Federer 07, so four Grand Slam finals... Mm-hmm. Winning three, Nadal three Grand Slams. I don't think, I don't think Nadal dominated 2010 as much as Federer dominated 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we're doing because Federer beat Djokovic, I think, quite comfortably U.S. final. Beat Nadal in five sets in the in the Wimbledon final, and I think he got washed by, by Nadal at the French. But I think he won the Aussie quite comfortably and. This is biased, but if you were to, you know, everyone's kind of a, a Federer fan or an Adal fan, aren't they, by and large? Mm. I'm a Federer guy. I know that's not what this is about, but if we're looking for a better season, I think I'm still putting Federer through. The fact that he lost one fewer game helps. Yeah, he only, he won three fewer though. So if you're talking about goal difference. <laughs> oh, that ratio, the ratio. Yeah. Um, but it's just, there's something about the optics of Nadal not even making it to the quarterfinals here. Federer is going to be in the quarterfinals. To get- he, yeah, he's already booked his passage at some point, hasn't Not he? And he's, yet. Going, he's going to. He's about to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, he, is, he is going to. Yeah, so um, I, can I go with Nadal here, Doug? Because neither of these two are going to win, but there's just something about the optics of not even having Nadal go okay. further than Andy Murray. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay, yeah, Nadal. Nadal's through. Yeah. Sorry, okay. Rog. Yeah, sorry, Rog. You're, you'll be fine. Okay, so the next one... Uh, the final women's matchup of, of this round, we've got Steffi Graf of 95 against Hingis of 97. Mm. Uh, Hingis in 97 won the Australian Open. She made the final of the French. She won Wimbledon and she won the US. Whereas <laughs> Steffi Graf was injured again for the Australian Open, uh, but she did win the French, Wimbledon and US. What's she got against the Australian Open? Just I don't doesn't... know. I think, I think she may have just like 
use that time because I think she, I know at least between 95 and 96 she has surgery on, on removing bone splinters from her foot but so I wonder if she just used that time after the US Open to to have her surgeries that she needed and she just mistimed them <laughs> each time or she just didn't want to go all the way to Australia which that's probably it she just didn't want to travel that far just maybe could be bothered yeah, yeah. That, that's that feels like more pertinent to me than surgery so god knows um interesting fact about um Martine Hingis, she's still only 39. Mm. <laughs> she, she could still be, I think she's not much older than Serena is. I think, as similar to what you're saying about Nadal, I think you've got to have Graf in the semis. Mm. Yeah. Um, and wh- wh- whatever we're saying about Australia, by the sounds, they probably would have won that. Yeah. Um, and if, if, you're, if you're splitting hairs, and I know we're going season by season, I know we're doing that, but mm-hmm. if you're looking for real longevity to see who would probably win over the test of time, Graf. What twenty plus the single titles? Twenty-two, I think. Serena's 20, now twenty-three. So, right. So twenty-two for Graf and Hingis very much concentrates into a one, two, three-year period. So mm. I'm picking Steffi Graf to go through. You can't have Graf not to go through. Yeah, and I think as you said, Doug. So it, bear in mind this is her ninety-five season. So she followed up this season with being obviously injured for Australian Open, but then winning French Wimbledon US. To then go into the 96 season, missing through injury the Australian Open again, but again winning French Wimbledon US. So she was the best tennis player in the world at the end of 95. And it looks as though the only reason she didn't win the Australian was because she was injured. So she ultimately most likely would have done another calendar year Grand Slam, which she did in 1988. So I think just if we're combining-ish which we're not necessarily doing. Uh, if we're combining season after season, Steffi Graf, and also just for how much she's won, again, the optics just don't look right if she doesn't make the, the quarterfinals here. Here, here. Yeah. Steffi's through. Yeah. Okay, so let's go with Steffi. Okay, Doug, and the final matchup of this round, we've got Federer 2006 against Murray 2016. <laughs> now, this won't be a long one, but I, I also <laughs> do want to spend some time because people may know we've got <coughs> we've got a Scottish background. <coughs> Jesus Christ! <coughs> you sound like Annie Murray in the 2012 final. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting closer. It's getting um, easy. <laughs> so we've got a Scottish background. So I just want to spend a little bit of time on Murray's stats before mm. they get blown out of the water by Federer's of 2006. Okay, Murray in 2016 had a 78 and nine record, which is amazing. That's incredible. Um, he made the Australian Open final the French Open final where he lost to Djokovic in both. He did win Wimbledon for the second time and he won the Olympic gold. Now, if he's not coming up against <laughs> the other players that existed in his time frame, again, this ties into the Sampras thing, mm. that year dominates. That's, that's a dominant year. That's he, brilliant. Yeah. He so lost in two matches. Grand Slam finals. Yeah, lost nine, final, not nine matches, two Grand Slam finals. He won Wimbledon and he won the Olympics, which in an Olympic year is essentially a fifth Grand Slam. So... That's an amazing, amazing year. But the reason he's not going through is because <laughs> Federer's 2006 year was he was 92 and five. He won the Australian Open again, made the French Open final. He won Wimbledon and he won the US Open. So now that we've spoken about the statistics, I'm not even going to bother dwindling on this any longer. Federer goes no. through, but uh, yeah, thanks think, for coming, Andy. Yeah, thanks for thanks for playing, and um, I'm glad we managed to squeeze him in somewhere. But yeah, we're it's not tough match. We're not, we're not too biased on this one. So the next one, Doug, we've got uh, Serena of 2002 against Djokovic of 2011. So you've got uh, 56 and 5 up against 70 and 6. 
Djokovic with, and that's Djokovic with 70 and 6. You've got Djokovic with Australian Open, Wimbledon and US wins, and Serena with uh, Wimbledon, French Open, and US wins, and injured for the Australian Open. Oh my God. That was 72 and 6, did you say? He, yeah, in that season, 2000, he was 70 and 6. Oh, okay. Um, Crap. So, so his ratio is better than Serena's. Mm-hmm. We've got Serena through in another one, haven't we? I know this shouldn't affect our decision. It's another one against Djokovic. <laughs> oh my God, really? Yeah, uh, yeah. This could, we could literally put one through and one not the other. So one can, not. Can, I, can I suggest something? Because yeah. the next matchup, uh, for me, Djokovic is getting through. Okay. Well, is that Djokovic 15 against Serena? 15. 15. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, so for me, on the next one, Djokovic is getting through. And I think for me on this one, Serena is a deserving winner to get through. Again, yeah. Again, it almost counts in our favour that she missed the Australian because if you win three out of three, that suggests a dominant year. Um, so it didn't lose a Grand Slam match. Yes. So, exactly. she went, so let's go, Serena. Yeah. yeah. She after missing the Australian Open, she went twenty-one and zero in Grand Slams that year. What the um, hell? Yeah. So uh, I feel yeah, more Serena going with Serena there. Serena. Okay. Next one, Doug, is, as I said, Serena 15 against Djokovic 15. Uh, and we, we have always, uh, I say we, I have essentially already decided that Djokovic is going to come through this one. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Djokovic in 2015 uh, had an 82 and 6 record. He made the Australian Open, he won the Australian Open, sorry. He made the French Open final. He won Wimbledon and he won the US Open. Whereas Serena, in just a shit year, uh, yeah. 53 and 3. She won the Australian Open, the French Open, and Wimbledon. But she so then that suggests that she only got to three Grand Slam finals, whereas Djokovic got to four, and his record was eighty-two and six, which is amazing. I'm surprised, and actually, fifty-three and three obviously is an outstanding ratio, but mm. it's a, it's not that many games. I know that yeah. Serena um, continues to and has for a long time not always played the Masters events because she wants to be fresh for the Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to again calendar year. You've got to give it to Djokovic for playing presumably every tournament to play 88 mm. games. Mm. That consistency over the course of the year, and, and you know, won the first Grand Slam of the year and the last Grand Slam of the year. It's got to be Djokovic. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, uh, we've got Celes of '92 against Nadal of 2010. I think for me, uh, the fact that Nadal just scraped through with his record and uh, amazing as it was, and I'll tie in again, Celes. Made every Grand Slam final. She won three and she lost at Wimbledon. Whereas Nadal, he did win three with a 71-10 and 10 record. But it, it doesn't look like, at least from my research, that he made the fourth Grand Slam final. And I think if you're just tying it into that. And bear in mind, Celes was playing at a time frame along with Steffi Graf. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think Nadal for me, was playing against. Celes. Yeah, Nadal was playing against Federer, Federer who was... Having a bit of a dip, I remember mm-hmm. in the early 2010s, he was not being written off, but people were starting to think, okay, he's approaching 30. Remember when we thought 30 was, you know, getting towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's depressing after a 29-year-old. Mm. So Federer was just going through a bit of a dip. Djokovic hadn't, was, was still eating gluten. Just yeah. <laughs> and um, Andy Murray was not quite there yet. So, uh, and by the way, um, Nadal lost to Murray in the Australian Open quarter final. I remember that game. Um, okay. So, yes, this is Celis. Yeah, Celis for me. So, sorry, Nadal, you, you go no further. But, Within reason. Um, yeah. Okay, and the final one, we've got Steffi Graf of 95 against Federer of 16. Oh, so six. 
of 06. What am I talking about? Yes, 06. Fix it in post. Fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it never happened. Uh, so, Pam, what have you got? <laughs> Is it Graph 95 against Federer? Graph 95, yeah. Jesus Christ. Against Federer um, 06. Bloody hell. I have an inkling as to who are, so if you want me to, to, to die on my sword first. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm going to go for... Yeah, you die on your sword. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go Federer. I was 51-49 Federer. Yeah, yeah I think I, I'm 52-48. Um, okay. Yeah, Brexit. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. So, as we said, the inkling is that Steffi Graf would have won that Australian Open in 95, given that she won the others, and she therefore would have made a fourth Grand Slam final. Uh, whereas Federer, he did make a, a fourth Grand Slam final. He didn't win it, uh, unfortunately, uh, but he did make the French Open final. And Doug, listen to his record again that year. 92 and 5. 97 <laughs> games. He played 97 matches. Mm -hmm. And in Grand Slams, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go into this because this is an absolute slippery slope. Those Grand Slams are five set matches. Mm. Um, so to play 97 matches, five mm -hmm. setters in, 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 in slams, and Federer in 2006 and the mid 2000s was just playing tennis from the gods. That one-handed backhand and that that forehand. <laughs> he's he's the perfect player. It uh, it's odd that he hasn't actually won more Grand Slam. Mm -hmm. But I just think, yeah, he, he did lose to Murray that year um, in 2006. I think we were in um, San Francisco and we were watching it on TV. And like, <laughs> what the hell? What is happening? Um, but but to lose five matches out of 97. So for every. 20 matches he plays he, he lost mm. one so this is this is Federer yeah that's ridiculous so yeah and, and uh, completely deserving Federer win there so right we'll go on to the semi-finals and uh, what an amazing I hope they get easier Jesus. Uh, they do not <laughs> uh, so it, we've got Serena of 2002 against Djokovic of 2015 good luck uh, so do you want me to help uh, you out yeah <laughs> I'm leaning towards Serena because okay. I think Serena is a better women's player than Djokovic is a men's player. And yeah. Serena, we'll have to go through the stats, but obviously Serena doesn't always win the slams. But when she does, she wins a lot of matches, even finals, like 6-2, She She crushes opponents in the way yeah. that Djokovic kind of grinds them down with 86-shot rally and then the injury timeout and stuff. Mm. So I, I'm <laughs> leaning towards... Serena. Okay. Yeah. I probably wasn't leaning towards Serena. <gasps> I was probably going to go Djokovic just because of playing 88 games, making every single Grand Slam final that year, just losing the French, probably to Nadal, if in doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yes. So that just shows the level that he was playing at. However, we are talking about dominance. And if we're talking about over our lifetime, Serena has dominated clearly 23 grand slams she has dominated women's tennis so i think based on our criteria ultimately serena probably does go through doug and, and you let me have one a little bit earlier maybe one or two so this is honestly a, a coin flip because if you're talking about statistics djokovic probably wins but at the same time we're talking about dominance so we've got to pay attention to both metrics and i think ultimately in order to carry this through into our domination bracket I guess we'll call it Serena's probably got a better chance of going further and I, th I think we are kind of not necessarily taking this season by season as we should be but we're also you've got to look at it in terms of 
just dominance. Just dominance. Um, and let me say something which I think I think puts the cherry on top. So Serena's three finals, uh, three matches that she won. She won all three of the finals without dropping a set. She won them all straight sets. And wow. this, uh, the US Open of 2002 was her second consecutive tournament without dropping a set. Wow. So she won, let me do the math here, that's 28 sets in a row. Wow. It's, it's got to be Serena. Yeah, and I also think so... Just help me out here, Doug. So if, if she <laughs> if she wasn't injured for that Australian Open in 2002, that would have added an, another six matches? Uh, seven. Seven matches. Okay. So that, in theory, let's say, for example, she won that as well. That alone would have carried her over Djokovic because she would have won all four in the calendar year. But even if she made the final, she would have won an additional six matches and her record would have been taken to 72 and six, mm-hmm. which is a lot more comparable to Djokovic's 82 and six, given that, Djokovic plays every bloody tournament and Mm -hmm. Serena doesn't. So I think that's also helping me to say, well, if she wasn't injured, based on how dominant she was the rest of the year, there's no suggestion that she wouldn't have at least made the final and therefore had an additional six wins. Sorry, not 72, I'm on about 62. Um, (laughs) So, but even so, as we said, she doesn't play the number of tournaments. Djokovic can just run forever. Yes. But yeah, I think to be able to pull Serena into a final looks right and it also makes an awful lot of sense so i think yeah let's stop dwindling on that one and let's go serena. yeah 2002 australian open final was won by jennifer capriati serena would have crushed mm. capriati so yeah. uh yeah I'd, i've never even heard of capriati so. <laughs> uh, there you go okay another tough one doug monica sellis of 92 against federer 2006 I, i'm gonna i'm gonna start this one off doug because it is a tough one Mm. both of them made all four Grand Slam finals both of them won three major titles Grand Slams whatever, whatever they're called however both <laughs> Federer won 92 of 97 matches yeah and I think we're just we're reiterating the stats here but 97 matches and he only lost five yeah you don't get more dominant than that and as, as amazing as Celis was and again she may have had a bloody 100 to 1 ratio whatever it might be and she only lost that Wimbledon final but again we haven't pulled that up but I just think Federer around that 2004 2005 2006 2007 period was just phenomenal and that's why he's the GOAT yes so I think you have to have the GOAT (laughs) in the final at least yeah (laughs) so yeah so anything more to add in terms of defending sellers here no, sellers she's made the semi-final and she's into the the women's final if you will Mm -hmm. and Federer and Serena are the two best tennis players of our lifetime. Mm-hmm. There seems something oddly poetic about those two being in the final. I have no idea who I'm going to pick, but I think it's got to be Federer. He's the GOAT. Yep. Okay, and as just to make sure that we have it so everyone's aware, Serena 2002 against Federer 2006. Doug, do you want to start this one off with, with no, the guess? No, I, I don't. Um, I'd really, I really, really don't. Recency bias gives it to Federer for me because I remember this season. I've said so many good things about Serena, though. So everything I say, similar to last week, everything I say, I then contradict in the next matchup mm-hmm. because I, I feel like one should win, but I don't really have a statistical or a logical basis for doing so. I just feel like in my heart, um, who should win? I think Federer. 2006 because again Serena plays a brand of tennis which again never seen before in women's tennis just the absolute power and the athleticism and the touch the the, the skill as well people often talk about Serena as this this athletic kind of specimen but she's also got all-round games incredible tactically and technically but Federer is just Federer 06 I don't think 
that season will ever be done again. So go nice mm. two and five. That's not going to happen again. Yeah. So I'm going Federer. Okay. I with a heavy heart. As boring as this may be, and you know we may want some some extra controversy, but it's not going to come. Federer 2006 is winning this for me. Mm. I think Serena. The fact that let's let's do this, Doug. Uh, and if we're talking about dominance, okay, Serena from around her time frame. It, it, bear in mind, these are the most dominant women's uh, seasons that we've come up with. Mm-hmm. The only other player past Steffi Graf of, sorry, Hingis of 97 is Henin of 2003. And she was a, a last minute entry that, you know, we, we had to kind of sell a little bit as impressive as it was. So Serena from 2002 onwards, there's no one. Yeah. So as much as she's won 23 titles, there's, and there's just been this thing in, in women's tennis and it, 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 I, I follow it and I watch it, but I'm not, I'm no expert, but it just seems like as for as good as Venus was, is she's never been able to get close. And she's her sister, obviously. I'm trying to think of of some of the other ones. Uh, We've had Anna Ivanovic. She was very good for a period of time, but never dominant. Sharapova. Um, Sharapova, um, never dominant. Kerber. Um, Yeah, they've got these players who kind of flit in and out of form for mm -hmm. a year or so. And then, and they just don't seem to follow through with Serena's, so you can use that one of two ways, can't you? You can say that Serena has come yeah. with all these challenges and overcome each of them, or yeah. you could suggest that there just hasn't been the caliber of opposition. Exactly. It can go either way. Yeah. So, um, so my, my reasoning for kind of bringing that up is, yes, Serena has won 23 major titles, Grand Slam titles. Federer has own, only won 20. If Serena was playing at the same time as Steffi Graf... Yes. Does Serena still have 23? I don't think so. No, I don't Whereas think so Whereas if either. Federer is playing at the same time as... You know, Bjorn Borg, uh, McEnroe, uh, some of the other amazing ones that ultimately aren't in our lifetime. Agassi, he would have wiped the floor with Agassi. Sampras, he did wipe the floor with. So Federer has done this in an era where we've been able to come up with Nadal of 2010, Djokovic 2011, 2015, Murray 2016. And he still managed to have 20 Grand Slam titles. So, and he's had that blip in between. So I think for coming back, being dominant in this season particularly, 92 and, and 5, as we said, amazing. Likely will never be done again. Uh, that's why it's Federer 2006. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find a little bit more kind of statistical um, backing just to really uh, consolidate um, our, our kind of reasoning here. Federer, I think, won 12 singles titles in all in 2006, and I really hope I don't get contradicted here. But I do not think that Serena won... Uh, 12 titles I mean she only won 53 games which would suggest mm. she did not win 12 titles so if you're going from overall all tournaments outside the Grand Slams that's another little feather and feather oh my god feather in Federer's <laughs> unique New York um, in his bow so Federer goes through yeah so so because I think we, we're looking at the same statistics here uh, this is wins and finals so Federer made at least 12 finals in 2006 so Let's say, for example, he lost in one of the Grand Slams and he only mm-hmm. lost five. So then of the 12, he would have won eight titles mm-hmm. then. So eight titles is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. it, he may even have lost in the third round of some other tournament that isn't even mentioned on that list of, of 12 finals and Grand Slam wins. So yeah, Federer's got to get this one. And I think we'll just leave it there. Yeah, more titles, as many Grand Slams and a better win-loss ratio. Federer, you are the GOAT.
Yep, he absolutely is. He absolutely is. So that was great discussion. And, and so from horrible. So, yeah, horrible. I hated that. <laughs> so I think what we'll do is, because we also need to work out once we get through all of these different uh, brackets that we're going to do throughout the sports, my inkling is that we'll pull through the semi-finalists from this one. So Serena of 2007, yeah. Federer of 2006, uh, into this domination bracket, as we call it. And we're, we're pulling through also the not the semi-finalist, sorry, the finalist of this one, uh, and then the semi-finalist of the European tour. So we'll get somewhere between maybe 16 teams in the domination, ultimately. Yeah, I think so. So it's uh, going to be, what, Barcelona 08-09 versus Federer 2006. Mm, what a matchup that would be. Good <laughs> it luck. makes no sense. Yeah, um, but that's why we love sport. What would so, they play? Golf? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Masood. I think yeah, yeah, of course Federer's got to win that he's got great touch Federer's going to win um, yeah. yeah so okay brilliant so we've obviously got Serena 2002 and Federer 2006 into the final right Doug so you sent over something else to me and this is similar to what we did last week uh, with the the ultimate world 11 but the rules were they can never have played for the same team across any league in world football really um, and then also you can only have one player from each country so Jamie Carragher was the one that set this challenge, Doug? Yes, Jamie's, Jamie's back um, in helping our quarantine woes with more challenges that ruin my Sundays. Um, so yes, this, this challenge was similar to last week. Can only have played, only have one nationality and they can only have played for one Premier League. Uh, you can't have more than one player who's played for one Premier League club. First yeah. Um, yeah. So nailed that. Yeah, so, so that's what we've gone for. Yeah, so as you said, uh, they, it's in the Premier League era, so from 92 onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can have played for the same team in 91 or 90, for example. So, Doug, do you want, let's, should we go position by position on this one? Yeah, so I'm happy to go with goalkeeper. So I've gone back and forth with this about 27 times. So I've gone with Neville Southall as goalkeeper. Okay. Uh, Everton and Wales. And this, I think saying this out loud is where I'm going to find out if I've made a horrible mistake. Southall, a little bit before my time, but is widely regarded as one of the best kind of Premier League goalkeepers. It feels like a bit of a cheat to put him in because I don't really remember, but that's, that's where the cookie crumbles. Yep. And, you know, you're able to, as much as there's been gigs and bail, there's other players that can, that can exactly. replace in those positions. Yes. And Wales is a fairly, not necessarily obscure um, kind of nation in terms of brilliance mm-hmm. in the Premier League. But yeah. there's not too many. You know, exactly. you start to get towards Aaron Ramsey, for example, and, and he shouldn't really be making this uh, this team. So yeah. so for me, for goalkeeper, I've gone with UC Jaskalainen. Yeah, um, Finland he, even more punchable yeah, exactly. than Wales. <laughs> exactly. And he did play for Bolton, West Ham and Wigan, but I didn't find it that difficult to find players from other teams, shall we say. Yeah. Um, so, and I just remember growing up that he was just amazing for Bolton particularly that in that kind of mm. that sweet spot under Sam Allardyce where Bolton were a very tough team to play uh, <laughs> really good yeah. a lot of goals and they just yeah. they're very very good so I think that's you can kind of toss that up and obviously we've got different players in this position so we can put that out as a poll who would you pick mm-hmm. and whatnot so right back Doug I'll start this one off I've gone with um, Ivanovic not Anna no. Ivanovic from not tennis Branislav no. Ivanovic uh, Chelsea and Serbia so yep yeah, I, one of Chelsea's best players and again from a nation not very well represented in the Premier League in terms of amazing talents Vidic but then you'll find out who my United player is down the line mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. I didn't want to lose that one out so Ivanovic yeah Ivanovic felt quite easy to me because um, if you look at all the best right backs from Premier League history they've either played for a club who I I will not negotiate on another player with that mm-hmm. team 
or I have to go for an English one. And I don't want to use my English player on a right back. Let's say Gary Neville, arguably one of the best right backs in the Premier League era. But it feels like he doesn't add as much value to that position as, say, one of my strikers might mm. from England, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I've gone for advantage. I felt that this was quite an easy one. Yeah, and again, just to say, the, the, there's probably been better Chelsea players. The, but it's, in, a, it's a toss-up, it, isn't it? it? It's Yeah, so let's say, for example, if we put Terry in, that then takes away England. And there's, at least obviously growing up in England and the Premier League, there's an awful lot of English talent that, that you would lose out on by doing that. So I think, yeah, taking Chelsea away with Ivanovic, he's still probably Chelsea's top 10 players top 15 yeah. in the Premier League era so he's not exactly it's not like you've gone for Danny Drinkwater yeah. taking yeah, away exactly. Chelsea and England so <laughs> yeah he's not an obscene choice at all I think I think this is quite an easy one right so your first centre-back Doug who have you gone for I've gone for the company um, so I this is tough because obviously Belgium have a lot of excellent players and obviously so have Man City but similar to what we we're saying I feel like this um, compromises the least number of positions elsewhere so I've gone for Vincent Company, who's one of the best five centre-backs in the Premier League era yep I've gone for Van Dijk, Holland again. There's there's been some very good players, but they've mostly played for Arsenal um, mm-hmm. or United in terms of Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie, Burkamp. So taking away United takes away other players and whatnot, and Arsenal takes away another player particularly that I wanted to get in here. So Liverpool again, they've had some great players, but Van Dijk is probably top five in the Premier League era. I think that's absolutely right, actually. Yeah, I think Van Dijk would be in certainly Liverpool's top ten Premier League players ever already. Mm. So that's a these are two world-class centre-backs here. Yeah. The, the issue we have here is you could argue who's better. The issue is how many problems does it give you down the line? And I think we'll find that one way or the other for one of our teams. So this is, be, this is where it gets a bit interesting. Yeah. So for my next uh, centre-back, now I've gone for Olaf Melberg. I think we both have. Yeah, we have. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think... Uh, there are probably some interesting alternatives to Melberg. I think mm. because you're obviously going to lean on the top six and you might go for a Newcastle from back in the day or whatever, you, you have to compromise a little bit. But Olaf Melberg, Swedish international, uh, played a lot of years for Aston Villa when they were in and around the top six. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this felt like a simple one. No, no other Swedes really get close. Yeah, so. well, I, I, I danced around this one with um, Wes Morgan, Premier <laughs> League winner. Yeah, not very good but Leicester there's not too many that I would take from Leicester Kante you probably could take but that takes away France Vardy mm-hmm. takes away England so and then Mares takes away City so yes exactly so you, you struggle there and I also breed a Hangerland as well so that only takes away <laughs> Fulham Palace and Norway but as much as he was had a lot of longevity Melbourne's better Melbourne's <laughs> superior superior than that yeah so okay so, so left back who have you gone for? Um, I've gone for Ian Hart. Um, so obviously being two years, a, a mammoth two years older than you, I probably remember the work of Ian Hart a little better. Um, so I've got him at left back when Leeds were a genuine force Premier League and just, it always seems to score free kicks. So I've gone for Ian Hart. So again, Ireland. Um, so not really losing a huge amount. You know, you could lose Keane, etc. Mm. Uh, Robbie and Roy. Uh, and play for Leeds, Reading and Sunderland. So I wasn't losing too much there. Yeah, I've I've gone for the, with the Leicester connection. I, I looked at uh, I didn't necessarily cheat on this one. He was in my head, um, but I had to obviously check if he played for anyone else. Of course, um, yeah. And he was the left back during their Premier League winning season. It was uh, Christian Fuchs. It takes away Leicester and Austria. So again, as I said, mm-hmm. Leicester player. I want. I, I kind of was thinking top six, and then you know previous winners and things like that, and and trying to Austria not very well represented uh, in terms of amazing talent. And then Leicester, I I couldn't really have gone for another one 
on that Leicester team that wouldn't take away teams that they then yeah. move to or countries that they're from. So uh, yeah, Christian Fuchs for me. Uh, next, yeah, up. I think you make a really good point. Sorry, but like um, there's obviously you could have put like Blackburn because they won the title mm. and Leicester, but you make a really point that to pick most of the players in that team, you'd have to compromise another position elsewhere. Exactly. So Fuchs is a really good Premier League winning left back, whereas yeah. my guy isn't. So mm. good shout. Yeah, so I've gone for um, for my first central midfielder, uh, I guess. I've gone for Modric, Croatia. Very few Croatians that are of his caliber, at least, uh, mm-hmm. if any, uh, in the Premier League era. And it only took away Spurs. So <laughs> I couldn't really do much better with that pick. No, I've gone for Modric as well. Yeah, yeah. a world-class player who plays for two not world-class teams. Mm. Croatia World Cup finalists, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I felt like an easy one. Yeah. So, Doug, who's your who's your other central midfielder then? I've gone for Xabi Alonso. Um, Great pick. So yeah, so Spanish. So you think that I take away a few, but I mean, it, it takes away maybe Silva and Fabregas, and I wasn't mm. going to pick Fabregas because of Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so I've gone for Xabi Alonso. A because, a because obviously he's brilliant, and B because I do want a, a semblance of balance in my team mm-hmm. if possible. Because I, I could have picked like a Kotcher and uh, loads of attacking midfielders on full Garth Crooks, but I've gone with Xabi. Yep, as I said, that's a great pick, and I, I probably would have gone with that one if I hadn't uh, mm-hmm. gone with Van Dijk. But I think the one that I ended up going for is, is not far off. Xabi Alonso. Uh, I went with Yaya Torre, God, City, yeah, City, and Ivory Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. So as I said, I could have gone Drogba, but yeah. that would have taken away Ivanovic for me. And as you said, it's hard to find right backs uh, outside of the top six that, that mm-hmm. are worthy options in this list. Yaya Torre is amazing. He was the catalyst for that City team becoming what mm-hmm. it is today, really. He was one of their first actually good signings. Um, brought in Robinho and some other big names, but he was one of the ones that was a big name that really took the ball by the horns at City and, and kind of dragged them through along with yeah, company leader. And, and made them what they are. Yeah, so basically I've got our teams to come down to whether you want company in Alonso or Van Dijk or Torre, and you could literally argue either way. Yeah, so Yeah, I don't think you'd be losing out. much there. No. So, right, CAM, Doug. Uh, so I've got I, yeah, you go. Yeah, I'll go this one. I've gone with, I think we were both kind of struggling at this point. So I've gone with uh, Tim Cahill, Everton and Australia. Again, very few Australians that I could have chosen. I could have gone Harry Kuehl, but Liverpool's gone. Yeah. I could have gone Schwarzer, but he played for everyone, I think. Everyone, um, yeah. So I, I think Tim Cahill only playing for Everton. And he was just one of those players that was amazing in the air. And I don't think you're losing too much with Cahill, considering what my front three is. I, I think the balance still remains and he, he scored a lot of Premier League goals and a very, very good player, but probably one of the weaker points of my team. But who did you go for? So I went for Janinho because actually there's not many good Brazilians mm-hmm. in the Premier League that I can think of. Richarlison? So, yeah, I actually had him in at one point. I went, what am I doing? <laughs> I think I did too. What, what am I doing? Uh-huh. What am I playing Richarlison in? He always seems to miss sitters every time I watch mm. him. So I've gone for Janinho. So I think this is really interesting because if you're looking at um, who's got the better body of work in the Premier League, it's definitely Cahill. And who's the better player? It's probably Janinho. So it depends on what you judge a good side to be. So this is this is a really interesting one for us to have differences of opinion. But mm-hmm. they're both kind of essentially one club men in terms mm-hmm. of Premier League. Uh, and yeah, obviously countries where not massively represented by quality players elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that was a... I feel like in this team, because you have to go outside the top six for at least, obviously, five teams, mm. you're always kind of hiding two or three players. Yeah. I don't think we've hidden with our, with our CAMs. I think they're yeah. both Well, I, I think I, I, we spoke about this earlier. I would have wanted to put like Clint, Dempsey, uh, Clint Dempsey in there, uh, but he made that 
pointless transfer to Tottenham where he played like 20 games but mm. then that takes away Modric for me and that's just that's just something I'm not willing to do um, to, to be honest I'd pick Cahill over over Dempsey really personally. yeah I, I actually would so I think you've made the right choice yeah Fair. yeah that was a pointless transfer <laughs> yeah not completely uh, and it screwed up this game so he could have been more considerate so uh, Doug who have you gone for at right wing I think we've gone for quite similar front threes actually and I think both our front threes are ridiculous so mm-hmm. for right wing I've gone for Cristiano Ronaldo heard of him um, <laughs> so United was a difficult one because obviously there's so many legendary players but not many Portuguese mm-hmm. um, so I felt like Ronaldo gave me the most flexibility and he's one of the best two players of the last 30 years so yeah. not much to say yeah I, I've also gone with Ronaldo so I've on this list I've written him down left wing because that's where he plays now but I think for United he was playing right wing striker left mm-hmm. wherever he wanted and he could do it and I think the other player that I've got on my other wing uh, that I mentioned in a minute could also do something very similar so uh, I've got a very th- fluid at least in the wings they can switch mm-hmm. and if this was real life cause the defences uh, real problems but I've actually uh, I've also gone with Ronaldo and as you said United I think you, you could go gigs um, yeah. and I, I probably could have done but I just think, as you said, Ronaldo's one of the best players of the last 20 years, 30 years. And I think he's he's ahead of Giggs. He's ahead of Beckham, which would have taken away England. He's ahead of um, Rooney, uh, but mm-hmm. Rooney would have taken away England as well. And he played for Everton, so that would have taken away Cahill. So uh, yeah, Ronaldo is, is a completely worthy entry there for both of us. Absolutely. So, so who's your other winger then, Doug? I think we're sitting on this one too. My other winger is Thierry Henry. So yeah, yeah, you can play them on either side. I think Ronaldo played on the just about on the right more often than not for United. Mm-hmm. Henry played just about on the left more, uh, well, a lot for Arsenal. So this is an easy pick, I think. Yeah. One of the best players I've ever seen. Yeah, only ever played for Arsenal and French and arguably the best French player to ever play in the Premier League. Um, yeah. So you can't really do much better than that. And then just to touch on with the Ronaldo thing, I was actually watching, it was a great show by the way, um, Gary Neville's Soccer Box with Wayne mm-hmm. Rooney. And they were saying that um, Rooney would drop deep and defend and everything. And it was so that Ronaldo could just do what he wanted. Yeah. And Ronaldo was no so one- good you could sacrifice Rooney. That's mm, how good he yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. And, and everyone was understanding of it because they, they saw how good uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was so that to me is why I can basically play those two anywhere but as you said probably more balanced fitting on the right wing with Henri probably played more predominantly on the left wing as well or left left striker so and then I think we're different on this one aren't we Doug striker um, you go for I'm, it. A, I'm not sure um, I went with Anna Shearer okay yeah me uh, too then so that front three Ronaldo, Henri and Shearer is arguably the best front three Premier League's ever seen anyway so to get them into this team with all the those tight criteria on is uh, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thrilled I'm thrilled to pieces mm-hmm. to get that front three yeah I think 250 260 260 bloody hell a quick yeah, so, question the other day yeah. <laughs> so just you can't really get a better Premier League striker than Shearer um, no. you probably can in terms of like the eye test yeah. um, I think Aguero probably passes the eye test a little bit better um, yeah. and maybe fits this front three a little bit better but you can't take away 260 something goals uh, and it only really cost me Newcastle and Blackburn it did cost me England but yeah. I don't think I've had to sacrifice too much to get 260 goals into my team <laughs> yeah. um, so and, and considering at least one of the other teams that we've seen, Doug. I won't mention whose. I think we're we're both better off. We'll be quite happy with our team. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm going to put some of these where, where we're a little bit different and also the, the full teams on, um, on, on Twitter and, and Instagram at the Bellendor pod on Twitter and at the Bellendor on Instagram. So take a look at those, let us know what you think. Uh, and I'll put some polls out there as well. So you can see if you would have gone for Doug's picks or my picks and, and we'll forget about whether or not taking Doug's pick over mine would have then clashed with someone else, but just to see who you think has got the best yeah. players in each position. So yes, yeah, fairly impartial, but pick my team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pick mine. All right, so Doug, it's come to that time of the week again where we have to pick our Bell Endor winner, and we've actually <laughs> had this quite is a doozy. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, the the, the winner's amazing, but last week we struggled a little bit. This week mm-hmm. we've had so many options, so I'll just run through the, the honourable mentions. Um, <laughs> we've got two Tottenham players. I can't. I, I need to pick up exactly who uh, they were. It was yes. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't. I can't remember who they were. So, whereas we've got David Luiz implicated uh, for Arsenal, right? Yes, David um, Luiz, and uh, was it Aubameyang? Uh, I don't know Aubameyang. Uh, it's um, definitely David Luiz, and I think Bellinger just follows him around. Oh, the, the Tottenham players, sorry, were uh, Sissoko, Musa Sissoko, and Serge Aurier. Yeah, I think I think Xhaka may have been involved in the Arsenal that players. Surprise me. He's a I think there were, yeah, there were three of them involved, so. That's not very good for North London. It's not looking very good. No, North London's um, like a shocker. Moise Keane came out in the news today. He had a party. So he doesn't care about the rules and everything. So he's uh, would have been a worthy winner himself. And uh, the final the final honourable mention, and it's a bit of a retrospective one, but because it's come back into the news this week, we've, we've got to look at Eric Dyer. And I, I don't know the full ins and outs of what was said, what really pushed him over the edge. It may well have been completely understandable outside of the context of being on live TV, being a professional athlete and having certain higher standards that you should really try to uphold as often as possible. So if something horrific was said about his brother or about him or, or whatever, then I apologize for not knowing. I, I, I did some research and I couldn't necessarily find it. So, um, But even so, you've got to have a bit more of a level head. But even with all of those mentions and him specifically, I, I just think this one's hilarious. Um, so if NFL fans or people that follow the NFL, or even if you don't, I'm sure you've heard of the name Tom Brady. And and Tom is really trying to get into the swing of things of going to, to Tampa Bay that he's even started to name it Tompa Bay. You, you can see his age there and how out of touch and uncool he is. Oh, Tompa Bay. Um, Tompa Bay. But... Tom Brady this week and new team and, and he's trying to get to grips with everything and I hope he was following social distancing guidelines by going to the house he was meant to go to at least um, he walked in to the neighbour of the house that he was meant to be going which is his offensive coordinator at, at Tompa Bay Buccaneers he walked into the neighbour's house without any ringing the bell knocking on the door nothing just turned up in this person's house and I'm sure Tom Brady walks into your house, you're ultimately going to take it pretty well, but that is just so bellend. What are you doing? I, just get, I know it's gone to a movie, new city, but how have you gone to the wrong house? And then, yeah, and not like on... Ring the door, you know, just make yeah, sure. Yeah, ring the doorbell just to make sure. Or send a text on outside. You might be the goat, but you've still got mm. stuff... Yeah, you're so right. If Tom Brady walked into our flat, I, I think, I think my, my primary emotion would be one of confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, why is there a goat in my flat um, <laughs> so uh, but yeah he's, he's um, that, that's that's great Moise Keane has had a party and he doesn't even come close mm. to Tom Brady no who by all accounts seems like a bit of a knob like what you're telling me there yeah um, just... he broke social distancing rules a couple of weeks ago didn't he he went, he went to a park um, yeah so I think he was on his own time. there 
from from what I understood of the report, so still technically social distancing, and he's allowed to go out for his exercise every day. The one that that did break social distancing is he did this video of um, copying Anchorman uh, of him blowing on like that seashell, like a horn type thing, and he's assembling because obviously, as we know, Rob Gronkowski's also been traded to the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to to join up with his old pal. So they did this whole video thing, and they and they turn up together. They don't shake hands or touch or anything like that, but they're definitely within uh, six feet. So technically not following the guidelines <laughs> whatever um but then yeah this one is just it's so funny um mm. it just it, google maps iphone yeah. maps even a tom tom uh, i'm sure he still yeah. has a tom tom sure. uh, boston based in the us and it's his name so i imagine but yeah completely worthy winner of the bell Endor this week Oh, easy, easy win. Well it's done, just, Tom. Yeah, it's just funny. So, yeah, we'll make sure that we get that mailed out to him. Um, I'll make sure that I get the address right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I've enjoyed this one, Doug. And, and uh, it's good to kind of stray away a little bit from football, either yeah. tying in some tennis fans that already exist or, or maybe creating some new tennis fans. It's a great sport, great history, as we've spoken about, at least from our lifetime. So uh, I really enjoyed that one, Doug. Anything else to add before we go? I think you've summed it up perfectly. Well done. No, no I've got nothing to add. So that was a lot of fun. So thanks for doing so much research and <laughs> all, all those prompts and stats. That, that was great. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. And uh, just make sure, stay safe, everyone. Don't follow Tom. Tom's example. No. Make sure you're social distancing and uh, wash yeah. your hands. Yeah.